Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's a gift to be here with all of you, um, those of you who are here physically with us and those who are worshiping virtually. I'm hoping I'm going to look kind of equally at both of you. Um, please don't feel left out, people who are with us virtually. Um, it's been a few years since I've had the opportunity to worship with the Willoughby congregation, and our communities have been through so much since that time, and of course, especially in the last 14 months. And as I've been reflecting on these last months in particular, I've found myself thinking a lot about singing, and I've been thinking a lot about songs. I think part of that is because I really miss singing together. Uh, it was really a gift to be able to sing just now. My church for CRC of Vancouver has remained uh, virtual since last March, so we're on Zoom live sometimes, but singing in front of my computer screen isn't quite the same as being with people singing. But I think that one of the reasons I miss singing and I miss songs is that songs express so much that we often don't know how to say otherwise. And they often seem to say so much more than just their words. I mean, songs are things that we dance to and things that we celebrate to. Songs are also the things that we cry to and we lament to. And when we've forgotten so many other things, songs are often what return to us even years later. I think we know that songs carry so much whether we're listening to them alone or we're listening to them together. But again, it's that together part that I've really been feeling the loss of. So I was already thinking about songs and singing when I saw a video from Kamloops just a couple of days ago. Some of you might have seen this too. A video of people gathered in songs of mourning Songs for the children who suffered through residential schools but made it home. And songs of mourning for the many hundreds of children who did not. These songs were raised by Indigenous communities crying out in pain. They were raised to connect these communities across time and place. And they were raised because there were no other words to express the depth of agony. And I think that these songs became prayers. Because really, songs are how people have been raising their prayers for centuries. We often read the Bible as stories or poems, as written words that are read aloud or said aloud. But of course, a significant part of the Bible is songs. Songs, after all, are really what the psalms are. The psalms are songs that are meant to be sung. They are songs that are meant to carry so many of the stories of the people of God. Stories of their hope, pain, joy, longing, repentance, and more. Songs that people sang to express so much of what was happening in their lives. Songs that they sang to raise their prayers to God. And they are songs that are still meant to be used in song and in prayer. 
Jesus prayed the Psalms, and he probably sang them too. And Christians throughout the centuries have continued to do the same. And one set of these Psalms are known as the Songs of Ascents. So ascent as in going up. This set is 15 psalms, the psalms between Psalm 120 and a Psalm 134. And they cover so much of what we think and we feel and we experience in human life as we figure out together what it means to follow Jesus. Scholars have different ideas of what these songs of ascents were originally used for, but they agree that they were meant to be sung together, by people going up to Jerusalem together for religious festivals, or by priests going up to the temple, or by the people of Israel freed from exile and going up out of the pit of captivity. And it's one of these psalms that we are going to read today. It's Psalm 126. And it's a short psalm, so I'm going to read it twice. First from the NIV, which will be on the screen for those of you who are at home. And then I'm going to read it from the message. So if you have your Bibles with you, or if you can see the screen, please turn to Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Now I'll read it from the message. It seemed like a dream, too good to be true, when God returned Zion's exiles. We laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. And now, God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives, so those who planted their crops in despair will shout yes at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing. This is the word of the Lord. And these are the songs of God's people. This is also a song of joy. Now, when I chose this psalm, I didn't know what this week would hold. I didn't know where we would be with COVID. I didn't know what our restart plan would look like. And I didn't know about the news out of Kamloops, that we would be shown again in such a devastating way how much pain and evil there is in the story of Canada and how much work those of us who are not Indigenous have before us. 
But even so, why choose a song of joy? Even without the news this week, there is still, it seems so often, so much darkness around us and around the world. Bombings and bombardments in Israel and Palestine. COVID desolation in India. Unequal access to vaccines in so many countries that have less money than we do. In my own work with refugees, things often feel very heavy. There is the trauma of losing homes and losing families. The tragedies of conflict and persecution and war. And then the re-traumatization that sometimes comes after they arrive in Canada, only to discover that life can be very lonely here, especially during COVID, and still very hard. And there are also our own losses in COVID. I don't know all of you who are part of the Willoughby community. I don't know your stories. I don't know what this pandemic has been like for you. But I do know that for some of you, if not many of you, this may have been a time of loss. Loss of jobs or relationships or loved ones or simply a loss of time. Or maybe loss of things you haven't fully realized yet or don't know how to count. But still, amidst this, amidst all of this, I hold very tightly to the belief that God is a God of many gifts, and one of these gifts is joy. But it is a joy that passes most of our human understanding. Because it is not the kind of joy that is dependent on our circumstance. It is not the kind of joy that can be attained by money or by academic degrees or by following all the rules. It's not the kind of joy that we can fit into five words and put up on our wall as an inspirational quote about happiness. And it's also not the kind of joy that can be used to prove our faith. The measure of a true Christian is not whether we have a smile on our face at all times. Instead, it is the kind of joy that is a gift for each one of us. And it's the kind of joy that shows up in this psalm, in the belief that no matter how drought-stricken our lives, God will bring rain. The belief that no matter how deep the darkness, God's justice and mercy will bring light. It's the kind of joy that leads us to live in response to the faithful and abundant promises of God. It is the certainty that life is a gift, that all is gift. And it is the belief that God's ultimate hope for our lives and for all of creation is shalom. Shalom, where no one is missing and nothing is broken 
as one of my friends describes it, where no one is missing and nothing is broken, where everything is whole. Our belief that this shalom is what God desires for each one of us and that this is what God desires for the whole universe, from this comes joy. But again, it is not a joy that is naive. Eugene Peterson points out that the writer of Psalm 126 was no stranger to the dark side of things. The psalmist wrote songs for and spoke to a people who had been carried into exile, a people who had been forced into a world of loss, maybe the way that some of you feel like you were forced by COVID into a world of loss, a world of captivity, a world of disease and death, a world that often mocked their songs and scorned their joy. You might remember the words of another psalm. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars, we hung our harps. For there, our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? But even in the midst of that captivity, God, through the prophets, urged God's people to find their songs back, reminded them of the old stories of God's promises, strengthened them to sing new songs, and to root those songs in the knowledge that God was with them in their suffering and that God was for them. They learned to say, as in the second half of Psalm 126, Restore us, Lord. Do it again. They began to see that joy isn't always an escape from suffering, but is a way through it. And so they kept on singing and kept on working and kept on praying and following God, onwards and upwards through the generations. That you and I are here today as the people of God is a testament to that, a testament to the songs and prayers and work and joy of all of the great clouds of witnesses that have come before us. But I know that this joy can still sound a little vague or abstract sometimes, or maybe it just sounds very hard. So I want to tell you a story of someone who was a picture of joy for me. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to travel to Bangladesh to learn from Bangladeshi Christians and from the Bangladeshi church, but also to learn from foreign Christians living there about how they were participating in the work of the church in Bangladesh as that church participated in the work of God. So while there, we visited the brothers of Teze in their little garden home in the north of the country. Those of you who can see the screen see a, a photo of the Brothers of Teze Chapel, which is also the site where they live. The Teze community and their songs may be familiar to some of you, but for those of you who haven't heard of them, 
Tese is a Christian ecumenical community based in France, created after World War II to try and bring the European churches back together in the way of Jesus after the devastation of war and nationalism. The brothers of Tese, members of a religious order, seek to live out a vision of solidarity wherever they are, building into the local church so that they may then go out and participate in God's work in the communities in which they are located. Tese sends out brothers to just a few other countries in the world, and Bangladesh is one of them. So core to the Tese community in every country where they are located is their rhythm of prayer three times a day. Wherever they are, they gather every day at 6.30 a.m., 12.30 p.m., and 6.30 p.m. for prayer and song. And in Bangladesh, there are only three brothers there, sometimes four, but they've been there for decades, and the work that they've done is immense. They have founded a large community for people living with developmental disabilities, and an organization that supports kids living on the streets, and youth programs to encourage interfaith collaboration and learning, and education initiatives, and women's economic empowerment initiatives, and so much more. And I remember being there and hearing all of this, and seeing a lot of it in person, and wondering how it was that three or four brothers could have been the momentum behind all of that. And then I met Brother Guillaume, and you're going to see his picture up on the screen, if it fits. So Brother Guillaume is 75 years old, and he exudes joy. I don't know if the slide's going to work, but that's okay, because I'm going to tell you about Brother Guillaume. He is actually originally from Holland, so shares roots with a lot of people in this community. And he's been part of the Teze community since he was 20 years old, but he's been in Bangladesh for the last 40 years, participating in the tireless work of the community. His life is rooted in the place where he lives, and in his love for Bangladesh, and in his love for Jesus. His life is also rooted in rhythms of prayer and worship and song. And um, I did take a picture, sorry that you can't see it. Um, the picture is of him. It's not great quality, so that's okay because I took it with my phone. But the picture is of him, 70 years old, sitting in a church in Dhaka, in the capital of Bangladesh. And I took it because he was sitting there and we were singing a psalm. So we were in a different city from where the Teze community was located and Brother Guillaume had been showing us around, introducing us to leaders from the Muslim and Hindu communities and teaching us about what it means to be a deeply Christian presence. And without us really realizing, we just kind of very naturally ended up in an old, empty church at exactly 12.30, just as Brother Guillaume's fellow Tizé brothers were kneeling down elsewhere in their home chapel to pray. And in that church, he invited us to sit. Just There were just three of us. And he said, now 
let us sing. And we did. A few days later, we were back in the Taze community, and Brother Guillaume invited us to come to the prisons with him to provide encouragement to those incarcerated, something that he does every week. Along the way to the first prison, we were joined by a woman, a member of a local church. And Brother Guillaume explained that we were going to help her try to find her son, who had been wrongly accused of murder and was now stuck in jail, the victim of a corrupt system. So we visited the first jail, and there were prisoners just crammed into outdoor cells, just this picture of hopelessness. I remember wondering what we could possibly offer them, especially me, a visitor who didn't even speak the same language as them. But Brother Guillaume, in his deeply joyful way, reached through the bars, took the hands of some of the prisoners, and he said to them, let us sing. And they did. And I don't want to sound cliche, but there was something about singing together that you could see comforted these prisoners in a way that spoken words couldn't. And so we sang, and the prisoners sang, and the woman with us sang. But unfortunately, none of the prisoners was her son. So we visited another prison, but her son was not there either. And at this point, we were running out of time, but Brother Guillaume would not give up. We have to hurry, he said, somehow able to walk faster than all of us. And so for the third time, we piled into a tiny rickshaw, what Bangladeshis sometimes call a baby taxi. You could see a picture on the screen. This baby taxi is basically a motorized bike with seats attached, and it's meant for about four people. But instead of four people, we crammed eight people in there. Brother Guillaume, two Bangladeshi Catholic priests who had joined us, four of us foreigners, and the Bangladeshi woman whose son we were looking for. She sat on my lap because it was the only space available. So here we are, this baby taxi crammed full of people, speeding through side roads and potholed alleys, trying to get to the last prison before they close it to visitors. And there's this increasing sense among the eight of us in that taxi that there is not enough time, that we are not going to find this woman's son, and we can sense her sorrow. And then Brother Guillaume turns to her as we're continuing to speed down the road, and he says to her, Why don't you sing? He says, Teach us a hymn in your language, a language different than that of most Bangladeshis. And she looks at him and she says, I can't. I feel that in my suffering over my son, I've forgotten the melody. I've forgotten how to sing. And he says to her, but maybe if you sing, it will ease your suffering and it will bring you hope. And before she can speak, he begins to sing in her language. 
And slowly, word by word, note by note, she begins to sing too. So here we are, still crammed in this baby taxi, still rocketing through back alleys on what feels like a hopeless mission. And we are singing of the promises of God. And just at the last note of the song, we arrived at the last prison, and we did find her son just in time. But Brother Guillaume was not able to free him, at least not then. His joy was not magic, and his songs could not unlock prison cells. We had to leave the woman with her son, clinging to his hands through the bars. As we made our way back to the Teze Chapel, Brother Guillaume explained that the brothers would keep working to try and free the boy, that they would find an advocate, hire a lawyer, do whatever they could to challenge the injustice of the system, even though all of the odds were against them. Brother Guillaume's joy was not naive. It did not ignore this woman's suffering or the reality of the situation. And it didn't falsely over-spiritualize it, acting as if prayer and songs were the only thing needed. But his joy was rooted in the old story of God's promises, in the never-ending story of Jesus' love, in the belief that we do justice and we love mercy and we walk with God however we can and wherever we can. That even when everything feels hopeless, we find a way to sing. Because isn't that sometimes what life is? And isn't that sometimes what hope is? Singing hymns in the back of a baby taxi, clinging to the words of a song, praying that Jesus will find us in those words and carry us through our suffering or carry someone else through theirs so that we can make it to the next day and keep on with the work that God has given us to do. And as all of us continue to learn and understand what life will look like in the coming months, and as we emerge from the darkest days of this pandemic, we all have to figure out what songs are ours to sing. And the reality is that we are not all going to be singing the same songs. Some of you, some of us, maybe feel feeling like we are being freed from a kind of exile created by COVID. And our songs may be ones of great happiness, and I hope we sing those songs. But others of us may be singing songs of anxiety, uncertain, and maybe a little afraid of what happens now, of what life looks like now. Still others of us may be singing songs of lament for what we've lost and for what can't be regained. But among the many promises we are given is this. Whatever song we are singing, God hears us. So may each of us find our songs and may they be grounded in the stories we know to be true. 
the stories of God's mercy, love, and justice, the stories of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and the promise of his coming again. And through our songs, may all of you, may all of us know the grace of Jesus, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the loving joy of God as we find ways to join God in his work in the world. And may these songs carry us through until the new creation, until perfect shalom, until that day where we meet Jesus face to face. And in the words of the old hymn that I think many of you know, in scenes of glory, we will sing the new, new song, and it will be the old, old story that we have loved so long. Amen. And before we join again in song, please um, join me in prayer. God of hope, God of sorrow, God of joy, and God of song. We thank you for your deep, everlasting presence with us. We thank you that we know that you hear us no matter what song we are singing. We pray for your strength as we are sent out from here. We pray for your Holy Spirit's presence with us as we relearn the new songs grounded in those old stories of your great love. In your strong and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Willoughby Church Sermon Podcast. The Willoughby Church Podcast Network also has podcasts about discipleship, the Heidelberg Catechism, and even a podcast hosted by some of the youth. You can find out more about the Willoughby Church Podcast Network by going to willoughbychurch.com.